I just want you to sit on that right now. Everything you've lost, love is returning. Everything you've lost, I want you, whether you say that in your heart or whether you speak it out loud, I want to give you the opportunity to make that declaration in your life. So if it's a whisper, if it's a whisper in your heart, or if you want to yell it out loud, in the name of Jesus right now, everything I've lost, love is returning. Let's say it again. Everything I've lost, love is returning in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So good. Do you have anything? No? I want to say that I'm so glad that you're back. I missed you. (laughs) You didn't want to kiss my mic? Okay. (laughs) We need a reason to celebrate. We need a reason to rejoice. And today I want to declare to you that this is a day of rejoicing. A new season has come. We have celebrated the new year on God's calendar. We have stepped over into a new year. Anyone who has said 2020, I am over it. I'm done, okay? Let's just tune into God's time right now. And we have officially stepped into the year 5781 on God's calendar. So can you look at someone around you? And I want you to look them in the eye because we get to do that here. Look them in the eye and just simply say to them, welcome to a new year. Everything you've lost, love is returning. Amen. Woo! Elijah, are your fingers on fire? (laughs) I want you guys to welcome Elijah to the worship team. Yes, way to make your entrance there. That's amazing. I want to say Elijah is here, his family. For those of you that remember Terry, he is Terry's nephew. And as he was moving here, Terry was moving away. I'm not really sure what that says about you. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I had Riata take a picture of you because I'm going to send it to your mom because your mom would totally want to see that. So you guys welcome Elijah to N3C. Um, I have a very special place in my heart for him because he reminds me very, very much of my son, Rhett. For those of you that remember Rhett, um, Rhett graduated from high school and went down to Texas and he's in Dayton, Texas, down at Dayton Christian Center doing an internship. Elijah graduated high school and his family is missionaries in Mexico. And so he has moved here and we get to have Elijah here to do an internship here. So when you see Elijah, take him to lunch, see if he needs warm clothes because (laughs) he moved here from Mexico. So as you see him around, just uh, shake his hand, make him feel welcome and do. I mean, he's getting to know the family here. So um, he likes food. And he can eat spicy stuff. I've learned that. He can eat way spicier stuff than I can. So, (laughs) Elijah, we're glad that you're here. Thank you for uh, letting God send you here. We're glad to have you. And man, can we say worship team, (laughs) woohoo! 
so good this morning. So, so good. Well, my name is Lynette. If I've not had the opportunity to shake your hand or meet you in person or fist bump or weenus bump, whatever. Darren said I'm not supposed to say that, but it's a thing. So whatever it is, <laughs> Sharon, Sharon will do it with me. Okay. So that's all. We're going to move on from there. And I want to say this because I have the microphone and a can. I want to say it thrills me and I am so honored to have people from our rock steady boxing class here. We are so glad that you guys are here. And they are our family at the gym where Darren and I started going and we are fighting and not setting into any diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. We are fighting and we are strong. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> so today we are going to continue. Um, it's not really part two. It's just a continuation of the conversation that we started last week. And last week we started talking about revival. And we discussed that revival is not meant to be a thing that is scheduled on your calendar. It's not a week-long event at the church. It's not a written time. Revival is a lifestyle, and it is an invitation into a way of living. It is an invitation of setting your focus on the heavenly realm and living a life from the heavenly resources, not living your life based upon any system, any um, restriction of earthly providence. Amen? Does that make sense? If you weren't here, you can tune in. You can go back and watch that uh, from last week if you want to. We had fun. Uh, so we defined revival as to return, recall, or recover that which is dormant, depressed, or dead. And over and over and over again, when you read in the Gospels, which is the first four books of the New Testament, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four chapters of your Bible are the account, it is the history, and it is the stories of when Jesus walked here on this earth. So in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can read through those four books, and each of them is a uh, told the narrative is given from that author, from Matthew, from Mark, from Luke, and from John. So as you read each one of those chapters in your Bible, you see that repeatedly Jesus gave opportunity to his disciples, which a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. So how many disciples are in here today? Followers of Jesus Christ. So over and over, Jesus gave his disciples the opportunity to step beyond the earthly possibility to look further than their eyes could see and to think beyond what their mind could understand. We talked about a couple examples last week, but one that you may have heard about or may be familiar with is when Jesus was in a boat. There's so many things that happened in a boat. I don't know. Um, but Jesus was, uh, his disciples were in a boat. We talked about two boat examples last week is why I said that. His disciples were in a boat and Jesus comes walking on the water toward the boat and his disciples are freaking out. And so he gives the invitation to Peter to come and walk on the water to him. 
Now, in order to do that, you're going to have to look beyond what your eyes can see, and you're going to have to think beyond what your mind can understand. And a lot of times, uh, people focus on the fact that Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water, and then he sank. But here's what I would like to suggest is that Peter is the one that got out of the boat. I don't know about you guys, but I've never taken two or three steps on top of water. Peter experienced a number of steps on the water because he was willing to take the invitation that Jesus gave to him to step beyond what his eyes could see and to think beyond what his mind could understand. It took away all earthly reasoning. It took away everything that Peter knew in the past that he had experienced, that he understood. Even back in biblical times, they understood gravity. But he was willing to think beyond gravity, past what he could understand and experience walking on the water. If only it was for a few steps. Hey, I'm telling you right now, I would be willing to do it for just a few steps, just to like say that was pretty amazing, right? If you were able to step out and just walk on water. So I want to make this declaration to you. Everyone in here is called to be a water walker. That is who we are, and that is a picture of revival. Us stepping out and living a lifestyle that is not dictated by what we have known as the norm, that is not restricted by systems, that is not held down by any governmental system, but is attached to the governmental system of heaven. And heaven is what establishes our potential, our identity, our possibilities, and our destiny. That is a lifestyle of revival. You guys, come on. I'm way more excited about that than you are. Okay, so this is what I'm going to tell you is if you don't like give me some feedback, I'm going to think that you don't get it. So I'm going to have to keep repeating it, which means that you're not going to get to the buffet until after all of the other church people and all the good stuff's going to be ticked over. Okay, so I invite you to give me some feedback. So revival, how does revival start? How do we start revival? I'm so glad you asked. You guys are in the right place today, okay? So, revival. I want to read a scripture, a passage of scripture to you, and it's in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is in the Old Testament, and Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament, which means that God spoke to him, and then he would declare what the word of the Lord was to the people. So God comes and visits Ezekiel a number of times and God shares revelation with him. God shares insight with him. God shares things with Ezekiel that are mind blowing to the natural mind and the natural way of thinking. So this passage in Ezekiel 37 is particularly um, special to me. Back in August, let's see, it was August, I have it written in my Bible up here on the top. If you don't write in your Bible, then you need to get another Bible that you can write in because writing in your Bible is really good. August 24th, 2017, what I have written down here is phone conversation with Oop Schroner. He told me to prophesy. And his word to me was, we are to be on the spear point of revelation, Oop Schroner is, how many, does anybody in here remember Oop? Oop came, okay, there's quite a few of you. Oop, when I say the name Oop, 
oop is an oop, right, Elena? He's like exactly what you think an oop would be. He wears his um, Dickies overalls, and he is from Andrews, Texas. And oop and his sweet wife, Patsy, we will have them come back. But oop is very revelatory. Oop, when I'm having a phone conversation with Oop, he will ask me questions about what I'm doing in my living room at that moment while he is on the phone in Andrews, Texas. So Oop is just really amazing. I love talking with him. And Oop is one of the two people in my life that when I talk to them, I have a pen and pencil, uh, pen and pencil? No. I have a pencil and paper ready because Oop says things to me that I think, okay, I have no idea what that means right now, but probably like in four years, I will. (laughs) So I write it down because he says stuff and I'm like, wow, no idea what that means, but amen, Oop, amen. Okay. So back in 2017, Oop read this passage of scripture to me. And I want to share it with you this morning. And again, we're asking the question, how does revival start? So Ezekiel 37, it's probably back where your pages are still stuck together. So it's back in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 37, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord, and this is Ezekiel writing, he says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he sent me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and before and and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he, the Lord said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. So Ezekiel is taken by the spirit of the Lord and he's set in a place. I like the way he says it in a valley of dry bones. And then he says, as I'm walking around and I'm looking, these bones are not just dry. They're very dry. They're like parched y'all. It's not just a little dry. They're like, they're, what he's saying is they're way dead. You know, you know that I don't know if y'all know the difference between a little bit dead and way dead. He's saying, he's telling us these bones are way dead. And he says that the spirit of the Lord looks at him and says, son of man, can these dry bones live? Now, back in February of this year, I preached a whole message on this. And if I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on it, but if you want to hear it, you can go back and listen to it. God says to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Now, we said last week, when God asks you a question, it's not because he's looking for some great revelation and like, oh, wow, totally never knew that. God is asking or he's wanting you to stop and pause on something because he's giving you the opportunity to evaluate and notice where you're at. So when God asks Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? It's not because God's like... I don't know. What do you think? He's asking Ezekiel because he's wanting to know when he asks that, Ezekiel, where is the focus of your heart? What are you focusing on? And Ezekiel answers God and he says, Lord God, you know. So what he establishes in that moment with God is that he is willing 
and has the capacity to look beyond what his eyes can see. Because he's standing in a valley of super dead bones, way dead. And he's willing to look past the valley of dry bones, listening to the question of God. And he's willing to answer. He, he, he isn't saying, hey, I know all the answers. All I got to do, I know I could do this and I can speak this scripture and I can dance this song and I can do this and I can do that. He just very simply answers, God, you know. Which says to God, Ezekiel is willing to partner with God's knowledge, with God's understanding, and with God's potential, not the potential of a valley of dead bones. So Ezekiel answers him and says, God, you know. So God knows right there. He's got a person that is willing to look past what his eyes can see. Then as you continue on in this passage, God then asks Ezekiel to do something that makes no sense at all. God speaks to him then in verse four, and he says to him, again, he, God said to me, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now that passage right there in that group of scripture goes on and God instructs Ezekiel to prophesy to these dry bones and he tells them what to declare to them. He tells them exactly what he wants him to say. And Ezekiel actually has to prophesy to them more than once, which means that some of the things in our life are a process. There are some things that will happen immediately. There are some things that you're going to see immediate breakthrough. There are times when you're going to feel immediate peace. And then there are other times when your walk and your valley of dry bones is a process. So Ezekiel has to prophesy to this valley a few times. And when God says to him, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to these bones to live. Now, God is asking him to do something that's ridiculous. That makes no sense at all to the mind. So now, God is asking him, will you think beyond what your mind can understand? Because it is, it's, there's no understand, like there's no way, as you and I are sitting here, how the heck are dry bones going to rise to the life? How does that happen? Oh, God, you know. So sometimes, let me put this in your pocket. There are times when you are in the process of something that you don't understand. The best response is, God, you know. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But there are times when I can just simply say, God, you know. So God is looking at Ezekiel's response. Whether he is willing to think beyond what his mind can understand this right here between God and Ezekiel in this valley of dry bones is a moment of limitation or launching. Those of you that were in the service back in February, you remember me saying that it is a moment of limitation or launching this valley of dry bones and where God took Ezekiel. Ezekiel didn't do anything wrong. Sometimes people think everything around me is dry. It seems dead. It seems like nothing's going right. Everything feels like it's falling apart. 
what did I do wrong? Ezekiel did nothing wrong and he is in this valley of dry bones by the spirit of the Lord. There are some of you who are in a place of a valley of dry bones and it's not because you did anything wrong. It's not because you disappointed God or he's angry with you or God's like, I'm just going to set you out here because I'm tired of dealing with you. God is wanting to know, are you willing to look past what your eyes can see? And are you willing to think beyond what your mind can understand? Because if you are, this is a moment of limitation or launching. This is your moment. He says to him, speak and prophesy to the dry bones. It seems foolishness to the mind, which would be limitation. However, to the spirit of the Lord is an opportunity for revival, which is launching. That is the opportunity. How do we start a revival? Revival starts with one. Look at the person sitting next to you and saying revival starts with one. Revival starts with one. Revival starts with one. So all of us have places in our life that feel like a valley of dry bones. We're either in it right now We've either been through it, and I'm not speaking, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, or you're going to go through it. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not speaking negative confessions. I'm just telling you, that's the truth. Either you've been in it, you're in it now, or you're getting ready to head into what feels like a valley of dry bones. And you're like, I'm out of here. I'm going to the buffet now. I'm not listening to that. But here's what I'm going to say, is in that place, all of us have been there And with where you're at right now, what is the valley of dry bones that you're facing in your life? It may be relationships. It may be financial situations. It may be health. It may be praying for your family. There may be people in your family that you have been praying for. Maybe that's your valley of dry bones. Maybe you're praying for our country. Maybe you feel like our country is a valley of dry bones. Maybe you feel like the world is in a state of dry bones. So I just want to ask you, what is your valley of dry bones right now? And these valleys, for each one of us, they are a place of limitation or launching for each one. Because it takes one person. It takes one person standing in the middle of a valley of dry bones to look past what their eyes can see and to think beyond what their mind can understand. It takes one person. I want to read to you, if you go on down in Ezekiel, it says this in verse 10. It says, So I, Ezekiel, prophesied as he, the Spirit of the Lord, commanded me, And breath came into them, the dry bones, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. It takes one person to partner with the vision and the dream of God for an entire valley of dry bones to become alive in revival and form a great army. I want you to say this right now. Say, I am one. 
I am one. It takes one person. That's all it takes. Each one of you have that. Um, it's been several weeks ago now. It was after service and a sweet young lady that comes here often. She is the niece of Greg and Tracy Abel. Her name is Seychelle. And Seychelle is a college student. And after service, Seychelle came with Tracy to the back room. And she was very, very nervous. Seychelle is a very outgoing. She has no, Seychelle has never met a stranger and she has no concept of boundaries. Seychelle is, she is just such a beautiful free spirit and she just loves everyone. So Seychelle came to the back room with Tracy because she felt like God was putting in her heart that she was supposed to pray with Darren. I asked Darren if I could tell this story and he said yes. So we get to the back room and uh, Seychelle is so nervous. She's wringing her hands. Like she's like this, literally she's shaking. And I told Darren, I said, Seychelle would like to pray with you. And she is really nervous. And he said, well, why is she nervous? And I said, I, I'm not sure. So she comes in to the room and Darren is sitting down and she explains to him that she feels like God has asked her to pray with him. So Darren says, okay. So she sits down with him and she asks him a question. She said, what would you like prayer for? Whoa. I'm sitting there watching my husband tremoring. She can see it. Everybody in the room can see it. And she asks him, what would you like prayer for? This took me back. Because, and I am not for all of the sweet people who have come to pray for my husband at one time or another, I love you and you are precious. And this is not a commentary on anything that you have done at any time. This is about this moment. Because God had something for me. So Seychelle asks Darren, what would you like prayer for? And it took my, literally I gasped. Because she was not looking at what her eyes could see. In that moment, in that room, she was partnering with what God wanted. What was God wanting to pray about that morning? So not looking at what we can see in the natural, not limiting our prayer, not limiting our focus to what we could see. She says, what would you like prayer for? Darren's response, as he sat there, he said, I want revival. Double woe. Because in that moment, we prayed for probably 20 minutes. And it took me 15 of those 20 minutes to process what I had just witnessed. Because my immediate answer when Seychelles says, what do you want prayer for? My immediate answer was, I want my husband healed. I want the tremor gone. I want Parkinson's defeated. So when Darren said revival, it immediately was a spirit check for me because where is my focus? What am I focusing on? What am I honing in on? 
I was focusing on what my eyes could see and I was limiting my thoughts to what I could understand. And when my husband's response was revival, I thought, I have been sitting in the train station on the tracks, not even on a train. He's on a train and he's going somewhere and I need to get on board. So he sat there and then he did this. And he said, it starts right here. And I want a personal revival. I want the fire of God lit on the inside of me. And when he said that, I thought, I don't even know if I know where the train tracks are. (laughs) Because my focus was so on what was in front of me. And this moment, this sweet young girl coming back to pray for my husband was a moment for me. I, I know she was there praying for Darren, but God got a hold of me and is like, look here, girl, we got things to do. I need you to be about my business and I need you to stop focusing on this. And as I stood there, again, I'm telling you, I'm standing there and I'm watching Sachel and Darren and they're praying and they're all, you know, doing spirit stuff and everything. And I'm like, God, what is wrong with me? And God very gently and very lovingly impressed. When, when I say I heard God say, it is an impression in my heart. It is something that I hear or feel and sense. You all, all of you feel and sense and hear the spirit of the Lord in you. You think a lot of times, well, that's just me. Here's, here's, here's how I know that it's not me is because it's way smarter than anything that I would ever come up with. That's how I know it's God. I'm like, (laughs) that's good. I know I didn't come up with that. So anyway, in that moment, I sensed God communicate to me. Do you trust me with your husband? And how many times has he asked me that? A lot which means I trust him for a minute and then I take it back. Just being honest. How many, anybody do that? <laughs> I trust you with my finances, but God. I trust you with my husband, but God. I trust you with my kids, but God. So he said, do you trust me? And again, when God asks a question, he's not, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He's giving me the opportunity to check where I'm at. And then he gave me the revelation, the understanding. And he very simply said, my timing is perfect. And do you not know that what I have for your husband is far bigger than him? Okay. He said, there is an appointed time, but it's bigger than him. Okay. Okay. Revival. Revival starts with one. Revival starts with one. And my husband sitting back there, not able to control his hands as he's shaking, he's patting his chest and saying, I want a personal revival. That was the focus of his heart. So I said, all right, in myself, I was like, 
Well, if I'm his wife and I'm his one flesh, I better get on board. Because if I don't, I'm going to be still sitting on the ground on the tracks and waving at him as he goes. And I want to be with him. So since that time, I have been pressing in and asking God, Lord, what does personal revival look like? What is that? And for every one of us, that place of dry bones in our life is an open door. And it is a doorway that when we open the door, whether it's a crisis, whether it's a situation that you don't know what to do, whatever the dry bones are, when you open the door, the flood of the world can come in and carry you with the depression, with the discouragement, with the culture, with the times. It can flood in with the victimization, with the answer of no, with the suppression, with everything that's going on. The flood of the world comes in and carries you back or... The valley of dry bones is a door that when you open it, you press through the flood and you take hold of the heavenly flow. And it is an opportunity to a new level with God. It is time for revival. It is time. We must press against the earthly flow, trying to flood in and take hold of the heavenly flow, sweeping us up into new dimensions of understanding and relationship with God. This is the opportunity that we have right now. That moment in the back room revealed to me where my focus was in that moment. And I didn't want to have that be my focus anymore in any moment. I want to be focusing on God. I want to be focusing on what he has. And I want to be focusing on what he has for our entire church, for our entire county, for our entire region, for our whole state, and for our whole country, and for the world. If we're asking for revival, that means that we're asking for the land. What land? Whatever land God puts in your heart. Amen? We're asking for the nations. So he's asking us to return and to recall... Looking beyond what our eyes can see and thinking beyond what our minds can understand. So how do we start? How do we ignite a personal revival? Again, I'm so glad you asked. You're just in the right spot. I'm going to give you four very simple things. The first one, how do we start a personal revival? It's time with God. It's that connectedness with God. It's that what, what we're going to say is intimacy. It means it's not just a casual, oh, you know, I'm going to maybe read uh, something in the morning. It, if it's one verse that you read from your Bible, reading it and sitting in it with intention. It's the same way that if you were to spend time with your spouse and not really like, you know, you're you're listening to your spouse and they're sitting in the chair next to you, but you're watching something on TV. That's not creating intimacy. It's the same way with God is that he wants us to give him our focus. And he's wanting that connectedness with him because a deeper connection with God inspires personal revival. That's number one. Number two, sparking a personal revival is connection with other people in pursuit of God. 
it is, and this is what is so crazy is right now in this time, the world is trying to separate us. The world is trying to keep us apart. The world is telling us that we have to distance from one another. God knows, and so does the enemy, that when two sparks get together, they start a fire. That's where the scripture says where two or more gather together in, the, in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That's why it's so important for you and I to be able to come together. It's so important for us to be, you don't know why, like, why do I sit in this room? I don't know anybody here. There are so many new faces in our church and we welcome you here. We are so glad that you're here. And I think the reason that you're here is because you're looking for that connectedness. Because we know, how many of you have watched Wild Kingdom? When that little baby gazelle, some of you are so young, you're like, Wild Kingdom, what is that? Wild Kingdom was a show that used to come on TV and it was all about wildlife and it was super cool. It came on every Sunday night, but they would show these little baby gazelles, a whole herd of them. And when one baby gazelle got separated out on its own, that's the one that got eight. That's what happens to us. When you get separated out on your own, you get your lunch ate. How many of you in 2020 feel like, I am a baby gazelle and I have had my lunch ate. And I need to be with my herd. I need to be with my people. I want to gather together because where we're gathered, God is in our midst. That's where we're at. So I remember back when I first got connected with God. I was raised up knowing who God was and going to Sunday school with Jesus like this on the felt board with a sheep under his arm, you know. I mean, I was raised in that. And then college happened. And there was no this with baby Jesus. It was, hey, you know, that's what college was. But God led me through a series of events that ended me up working in the office of a national ministry. Y'all, I was like, I was saved by the skin of my teeth. I didn't know nothing. Come here from Sikkim about Jesus and I get hired working for this ministry. They didn't even know if I was saved. <laughs> but what it did was it put me in a place where I was able to connect with other people who were pursuing God. That's when things changed for me. That's number two. Number three, how do we spark a personal revival? It is giving out of your passion. That means serving. When I started working for that ministry, I, like, I was mailing out bumper stickers and Bibles in the back room. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody cared who I was, but I absolutely loved it. Because I was doing something to serve God. People were getting Bibles. People were getting bumper stickers. And to be really honest, I thought the bumper stickers were really stupid. But if that's what they wanted to put on their car, I'm like, hey, that's totally up to you. But I was serving. 
I found a place to give because I was growing in passion because I was connected with other people who were serving God, who were going in the same direction that I was, that I could talk to and ask questions, that we could have coffee together. I had a guy that every week he would come into my office and bring me a Coke and sit down and read the pro rodeo sports news and sit in the back office with me. He was a bullfighter and we would sit back there and he would put his feet up on my desk and we would just talk. And I remember one weekend I had gone on a hike that was extensively longer than what I thought it was. And we ended up hiking for like six hours. And that was way longer than I had intended. And I remember Benny put the paper down and he looked at me and he goes, Lynette, we got to find you a boyfriend. You need a boyfriend. (laughs) I didn't have anything else to do. But I got connected with somebody who would come and sit and talk to me. And he was serving God and he and his wife were precious. And he would just talk to me as I was serving. I encourage you. We have so many places for you to get involved here in this church. When you come in our auditorium, there's people that are smiling. You could be on the usher team. When you walk in the front door, there's people that are smiling. You could be on the welcome team. You can serve coffee. You can be in the Gen Now ministry. You might not know, come here from Sikkim about Jesus. That is one of the best places that you can learn because you get all of the Bible stories back there in ways that you can totally understand, right? I'm all about that. Honestly, that's a great, that's where I first started learning was at Rodeo Bible Camp and then preaching to kids. I'm like, oh, that's good. Never knew that. Preaching to little ones like that. Ones that can't even get up in their saddle that you got to lift them up and put them on their saddle for them. That's, I'm learning with them because I want to know. I was hungry and I just wanted to serve. It didn't matter where, I just wanted to serve. And I want you to know that we have, no matter where you're at, no matter how far in you are with God, if you're like, I don't even know if I'm saved, we have a place for you to get connected and for you to serve because we want you to grow in personal revival. So number one is personal time with God. Number two is being connected with other people. Number three is serving out of your passion. And you know what? If it's not here, we want to help you find it. I don't care if it's not here. You need to find some place to serve, some place to give that passion that's on the inside of you. And number four, growing in personal revival, you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Wait, Holy Spirit, isn't he like the black sheep of the Trinity? Sometimes that's the way he's portrayed. The Holy Spirit isn't an it. I think like how do wrestlers like The Rock, how they talk about themselves in third person like that? The Rock, the Holy Spirit, you know? But Holy Spirit is a person. Everyone who has said Jesus Christ come into my life. I give you my heart and I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want to be your follower. And I want to learn. If you have said that in your heart, you have the Holy spirit on the inside of you. The scripture tells us that when you ask Jesus to come into your life, that he gives you the Holy Spirit. I love the way the Passion Translation puts it. It says he gives you the Holy Spirit as like an engagement ring. That it is a promise that when you say, Jesus, I want to give you my heart. He says, my heart is yours. 
And he puts the Holy Spirit on the inside of you the same way an engagement ring is put onto someone. And what that is, is the Holy Spirit in you is the promise, the guarantee of everything that you read in this Bible. It is everything that you will learn about in spending your personal time with God. It's every promise that you read for peace. It's every promise that you read for joy. It's every promise that you read for provision. It's every promise that you read for a destiny and a purpose for your life. You're not just here because your parents got pregnant. You're here because God predestined you for this time, for this moment. And you might look around and say, things are so hard right now. If you think they're hard, it's not too hard. Because God knew that you would be born in this time and he specifically designed you to walk in this time, in 2020, in this season, because he knew that you would be a person that would look beyond what your eyes can see and think beyond what your mind can understand. And where does that start? with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. I'm telling you, if I would have known about the Holy Spirit when I was in college, college would have been a whole different experience for me. I was honestly pretty mad when I found out about Holy Spirit and how Holy Spirit wanted to be power on the inside of me. Power for me to make right decisions. Power for me to choose a path that was the most blessed by God understanding for me to know what to do in different situations, power for me to be bold in situations where I felt like I just wanted to sink into the floor, power for me to be able to pray with people when I'm like, I don't even know how to pray. What if they ask me something that I don't know the answer to? I may not know the answer, but the Holy Spirit on the inside of me does. That's what the Holy Spirit does on the inside of a born-again believer. And it is everything that you read in here, everything that Jesus did, laying hands on the sick and then being healed, laying hands on the dead and then reviving, praying for the blind and then receiving sight again, for you to be able to go to the grocery store and see a mom that is completely out of her wits with kids and she's like really stressed out for you to be able to step into her presence and bring peace and speak a word of encouragement to her. Even though you don't know her, you've never met her, but the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you has the opportunity to change that mom's life in that moment. It's the simple things. It's the simple things. It's the things that are so real, that are so relatable to people. That's the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Everything from you being able to walk into a room where there's conflict and your boss and the employees, they don't know what to do. And you come into the room with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, listening to the Holy Spirit, not listening to all of the stuff that's going on and saying, I believe I know the direction that we should go. The Holy Spirit speaking in you. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is key for revival. And he's not, as I grew up thinking, he's not the black sheep of the Trinity. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can't have the Father and the Son without the Holy Spirit. And in some places, the Holy Spirit has this connotation of being out of control 
and making you do wackadoo things. We're not looking to be wackadoo. We're looking to be relevant because we're looking to bring revival to a world that is in desperate need because it is full of dry bones. And we're the ones that have revival on the inside of us. And it starts with one. It starts with one. So here's what I want to do. Everybody in here, I want, I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. There, I understand there's a time for that, but there's a part of it that when we do that, now it makes it feel like, and somehow there's a subliminal message that if we're supposed to bow our heads and close our eyes, maybe I'm supposed to keep this whole Jesus thing a secret. Or maybe I'm supposed to be like really, you know, covert about it. So I want every head up and every eye looking around because this is the safest place. This is a moment of limitation or launching for you. Right now, if you have never said, you know what? I invite Jesus into my heart and I want to be a follower. I don't know. God, you know. I don't know what that looks like in the future. God, you know. So I'm just going to trust God. He's saying, do you trust me? And if you are going to make that commitment and that decision, and maybe it's something, as I said, I've done this, I don't know how many times, and I have to keep doing it over and over again. Maybe today, it's a thing that you need to do over again to settle some things on the inside of you moving into this new season, or you need to do that for the very first time, every head up, every eye open. If that is you, I want to give you the moment of launching right now by giving you the invitation to just stick your hand up in there and say, that's me. That's me right now today. Is there anybody like that? Yes, 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 yes. Anybody else? Yes, yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So now, as you have raised your hand, I want to ask everyone now, if you would put your hand right here on your gut. And the reason I say right here on your gut is because we try to think and we try to reason with our minds the Holy Spirit communicates and speaks from right here. This is your gut. Some people will call it like your, the world calls it a sixth sense. The spirit is the originator. And it's not a sixth sense. It's Holy Spirit. And it's that place on the inside of you that leads, that brings comfort, that fills you with power, when you think, I don't know if I can do this anymore. When you're standing in the position of looking at a valley of dry bones, whatever that is in your life, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is the one that gives you power to declare what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Because there's places and there's times where I don't know how to pray. But I listen to the Holy Spirit on the inside of me and the Holy Spirit leads me in how to pray. So if you would like to right now, what we're going to do, I'm going to pray over you and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to spark on the inside of us, to set a fire on the inside of us as a body, as a family of believers, as a church, because revival starts with one. And it starts with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and you giving the Holy Spirit permission. Because when you said, Jesus, I follow you, you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now, I would like to pray for you, for you to have the opportunity to say, I have the Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, have me. 
Move in my life in power. Move in my thinking in power. Move in my marriage in power. Move in my community. Move in my home. Move in my school in power. So if you would like to right now, put your hand on your gut. And Father, in the name of Jesus, because we are yours and you are ours, we are marked and we are different because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And right now with your hand on your gut, right here where the Holy Spirit moves and stirs, I want you just to take a deep breath. And now I want you to blow. And I want you, I invite you to close your eyes. And I want you to do that a couple more times. And what I want you to picture is you blowing on some embers, maybe in a campfire or in a fireplace. And how those embers lay there and they're gray underneath the black charred wood. And I want you to take a few breaths, however many it takes for you. This is you and God. This is number. This is the first step. It's personal connection with God. This is about you and God right now. I want you to take a couple of deep breaths or however many it takes. And I want you to see those gray embers changing to bright orange as you take a deep breath and you blow. Holy Spirit, we invite you to light a fire on the inside of us and we invite you to burn personal revival on the inside of each one of us. If you are sitting there and you can see those in your mind or in your spirit with those embers burning hot orange, or maybe, you know, the sound that the fire makes when it ignites. If you see that, I want you just to raise your hand in the air. If you can see it, if you can envision that this is the opportunity for you to think beyond what your mind can understand right now. You're just allowing the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to dream with God. All earthly limitations are removed. All worries, all anxiety is removed right now. Continue, if you want to, continue to take a deep breath and blow on those embers. And you say this in your spirit or out loud, Holy Spirit, have all of me. Holy Spirit, burn your heavenly fire in me. Burn away all limitations. Burn away all restrictions that I have placed on myself and in my life. And right now, Holy Spirit, I release you to do the impossible. Revival starts with one, God. Do it through me. Do it through me. Holy Spirit, do it through me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I love you. If you are still blowing on your fire, you stay there and blow on your fire as long as you want to. Bailey is going to go ahead and close us out. I'm going to be out on the back patio for courtyard prayer after service. And if you want to just come stand out there. 
and blow on your fire, be with other people who are igniting and passionate with purpose, then I invite you to join us out on the back patio straight out these doors after service. We'll be out there for just a few minutes to pray together. I love you guys. Revival starts with one, and you are the one. You are the one.